Welcome to Dumb Love. I'm Sally Brooks. And I'm Jen O'Neill. And this is a podcast about all the dumb things that people will do for love. So welcome to episode 156. Welcome back, everybody. How was your week? Oh, Jen, you know me. Another <laughs> week, another vacay. That's great. <laughs> um, I just, you know, I'd really love to tell you all about how I went to Maine. I was in Maine all weekend for a family vacation. But first, let's hear about your week. Oh, my week? Yeah. Just, my I mean, week. did you do any vacations? Have you, did you do no. anything fun? You know, I planned to. Uh-huh. I really did. Yep. Been trying to do fun stuff all summer, but uh-huh. I got fucking COVID again. Oh, Jen. I Dude. don't I don't want to say it's your fault. It is my fault. But I would like to point out that you did say openly on the pod as if there was no curse. You were like, oh yeah, I somehow I got out of this scot-free. <laughs> I didn't get COVID because I had it in June. Somehow, I'm one of the very lucky few people that can get COVID within a month and a half period of each oh, other. Oh, congratulations. You are. Yeah. <laughs> We've always known you were special. I'm, so, I'm very special. <laughs> oh, so how are you uh, feeling? I feel Fine. Like, it is true that the second time is, like, not as bad. Yeah. So I feel fine. I was a little rough the first few days, but um, overall, like, I'm now almost a week out. So I, like, I I started feeling bad last Monday, and then I tested, and I didn't – I was negative on Monday, and then on Tuesday, I tested positive, and and now it's Monday again. And so, like, I'm I'm better – yeah, I feel fine. Good. It was just like, yeah, just another like week of week in the trash can. Let's just say that right. a week <laughs> in the garbage. Oh but, man. Well, I'm very sorry. I wish I could have been in Maine with you. <laughs> oh, you would have loved it. It's <laughs> so beautiful. It's at this point. <laughs> I will take a trip to the gas station. Sounds <laughs> tropical. Right? <laughs> oh, God. I just got to get out of this house. You got to get out. You've been, like, quarantined for, like, a month now. I know. Between, like, me being sick and then the kids having COVID staggered and then yeah. me yeah. again. Yeah. I just, like, I've been quarantined for forever. And, you know, this was supposed to be – hot mom summer oh, and man. it's been like lonely I mean, mom household <laughs> <laughs> it's been a possum mom summer it's been a possum mom summer <laughs> oh buddy uh, well maybe you'll have like a, a hot mom fall <laughs> i'm looking forward to it maybe it'll be like a, a cool breeze mom fall <laughs> let's hope one can oh. only hope Yeah, let's get in some quickies. Okay, so my quickie this week 
comes from an article for New York Post. And Sally, I think you're going to like this one because you usually um, usually like stories like this. I wonder if we have the same story. Is it written by Andrew Court? Oh, I don't know. Okay. This article is written by Andrew Court. Is it about public sex? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Is it about the naked couple having sex on rooftops? Are oh, no. waved? No. Oh my god, then we have two public sex. Yeah. So good. <laughs> Man, everything's coming up, Sally. <laughs> okay, you do yours first. Okay. This past week in the UK on what was recorded as the hottest day in history, uh, a couple was found. Uh, this was in Birmingham, England. A couple was found having sex on top of a rooftop. They were busted by um, a worker that was watching from a a window at a nearby office building, and Uh this worker recorded it and then posted it on Twitter, which I can't believe is legal. Right. Um, And then the clip went viral, and it had over um, more than 100,000 views of, and, um, you know, everybody was shaming them for public indecency. But the funniest thing about this couple having sex on the roof was they were wearing nothing because it was really hot outside. Uh-huh. Except the the man had on a, uh, a like, a paper party hat. <laughs> oh, like, it was oh. like, they must have been maybe having, like, an office birthday party yeah. and then decided to go have sex on the roof. <laughs> Of course, everybody had a bunch of funny comments and quips to say, um, you know, uh, one person said, hope they have sunscreen on. And then another person said they literally took it's getting hot in here to the next level, which I don't even think that's <laughs> funny. Um, but anyway, I, I, neither. Um, I don't know why I laughed. But apparently um, this is just a series. And now I don't want to say which series. Uh, there's a string of public uh displays of sex okay okay yeah been happening and i don't want to say what the other two were because one might be your i think one's probably mine because i clicked on one of the first thing i clicked on was one where a guy was in a hotel room and he saw people like down below in these hot tubs having sex like two different couples was it in hong kong yes okay okay that is on here Okay, and then I clicked, and they were like, this is a seer. This is not the first time. And then so I clicked on the next one, and that's what I did. And then they were like, but on this article that I'm going to share, there was another link. <laughs> this isn't the first time. <laughs> like, it's so it's just, it's an, people having, having sex. sex in public. I mean, people, who cares? Who cares? I don't care. In my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> I don't necessarily see these. Is it outside? Yes. Yeah. Is it in public? Not really. Like, they're on the top of a roof and nobody else is on the roof. Like, I don't think that they really thought that everybody would be able to see them from, like, nearby offices. You yes. know what I mean? I agree. And the same I, th- thing I think there the is a jacuzzis. difference in that. Yeah. That's what yeah. I was going to say. Like, these jacuzzis, you saw those, the pictures of that, where they're, yeah. like, individual jacuzzis. So, obviously, they, like rented these they weren't like by the pool they were like above the pool on a different level so those people probably had no idea that somebody could see them yeah i mean do your thing it's like stop being such a perv yeah you're the perv perv you're the perv perv <laughs> <laughs> keep your eyes to yourself 
Yeah. So wait, which uh, which one are you talking about? Now let's okay, you're quickie. Okay. Okay. So in mine is also from the New York Post, and um, the, in this one, a man was dying at the Hooked on Rocks restaurant in Falmouth, Cornwall, which is in the UK. Um, he said an elderly couple turned to me and said there was some live entertainment going on behind us, and so. He turns around and this restaurant has this view of this, these cliffs. And so he turns around and looks at the view and on the cliffs, like you can see is a couple, they've like walked down from the footpath and they are like butt naked having sex on the cliffs. Okay. That's on here too. So I did see this. Okay. Again, I don't think this is public. It's outside. I know, but but see that one though. Yeah. They are like in full view of the beach and the restaurant. The people who are hiking on top can't see anything, but everybody else can see it. I don't know. I mean, I feel like these people must be. They look like they're, they look like they think they're hidden. I think they think they're hidden, but But they are definitely not. (laughs) Right. Well, and they said, he said, the cliff sits to the left of the beach. And from our side, the cliff, is, the cliff is out in the open. But from the coastal path, which is like up above them. And you can see as these people are down there having sex, there are hikers like right above them walking. But they're oblivious. Right. They don't know that these people are down there. Um, so he said, from the coastal path, there would have been quite a drop. So those walking up the path wouldn't have known. He said that the couple, the whole restaurant watched this couple for 30 minutes and then they just got their clothes back on and left. And he said, I think everybody was just hoping they didn't walk through the door next. Like if they had gotten up and like (gasps) come in. Um, He said, I talked to a staff member in the local coffee shop and she said in all her years, she's never seen anything like that. But the guy who took the video and then posted it. Like you can't really, I mean, they're, they're small. Like you can't really see who it is or anything yeah. too graphic. He captioned it. Gotta love Cornwall. Um, but the person who, um, who took the video was like, actually I have to give the people props for having the audacity to do it. Like good for yeah. them, you know? Um, but my favorite part of the whole article is the like, is it the lead? Is that like the first line? Is they were loving on the edge. Loving, loving on, on the, the edge. edge. <laughs> That's <laughs> amazing. So. But it's like if a couple has sex in the woods and everyone sees it. <laughs> <laughs> is that public sex? <laughs> Yeah, I think that's the very definition, John. <laughs> okay, I was just asking. I'm just asking. I'm just posing some some like theoretical hypothetical questions. Work back, work back, work back. <laughs> I mean, it was, I was if a couple of sex in the middle of the street, <laughs> but it's dark outside. Is, is that a public? That public. <laughs> I think it's public sex All right. All when right. there is an audience. Got it. <laughs> Deal. I think, I think we've come to a conclusion. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. Well, that was a what a fun quickies segment. Just a lot yeah. of people doing it. Doing I hope it. you guys are out there doing some fun stuff, too. Yeah. Outside. Yeah. yeah some, I mean, I know you're uh, not. I know you're just withering away in your house, but <laughs> I hope other yeah. people are. with only the company of your puppy and your baby possums yeah 
They're not my babies. <laughs> Your babies. What have you named them? Your baby possums. <laughs> so my story this week came from an article for the Calgary Herald. Ooh, um, are we in Canada? Jen? We are Canada. Nice. And then um, an episode of The Devil You Know. Ooh. And then also an episode of who the bleep did I marry? Oh gosh, what a mm-hmm. good stuff right like, there. Sounds great. In August of 1998, Louise Gallagher was a 44-year-old single mother to two daughters. They were 10 and 12 years old at the time. Okay. Um, she was living in Calgary, Canada, like I just said. <laughs> um, Canada, like you said, like I said it was, and she was um, a very successful investment executive. Okay. I don't know what those people do, but it sounds very important. It does. It sounds um, very lucrative. It does. Um, she was very focused on her children and her career. And at the time, she wasn't really interested in dating anybody. Um, although she's so pretty. She is like a dead ringer for Liza Minnelli. Like, looks exactly like Liza Minnelli. Oh, Okay. Yeah, I just like I would just think that that was Liza. So that fall, she was assigned to go meet with this company that manufactured kit cars. Again, I don't know what that is. I could <laughs> nope. have googled it, but but you know what? Like, leave something. I know you could for someone you're, else. You're a journalist, Google. right? But like, people are looking for things to do. Like, everybody's doing Wordle and Nerdle. Like, how about you do a little research? Yeah, why don't you Google real quick what a kit car is? Because that's yeah. what she was going to meet this company about. <laughs> so, they were wanting to go public. Um, and so she was sent to go meet with their company to discuss the arrangements. And it was when she went to go meet this company is when she met the company's senior partner, um, who was a 45-year-old Conrad Cheney was his name. Now, it's so funny because Louise Gallagher at the time was 44 mm-hmm. and Conrad Cheney was 45. And Louise looked like a beautiful 44-year-old Liza Minnelli. And Conrad Cheney was like a hard 45. (laughs) He'd done some work. He did. He lived. Uh, It was just – it's so funny to me how – you see it all the time. Just like when someone could be like – especially in in your 40s, Mm -hmm. people could be the same age but literally look like 20 years difference. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's like, I look like maybe 30. 17. 17 at best. Yeah. I know. But like you? I look 109. (laughs) It's unfortunate, but yeah, you know. I know. What are we going to do? So uh, when she came, when she met him um, and shook his hand, she said that she instantly felt like she had already known him. Like, that she just knew this person. And she asked him, like, have we met before? Because she seemed that familiar to her. And he said, oh, no, if we had met before, I would have never let you go. Mm-hmm. And she was, like, ate it up. But, yeah, she, so she that was a line that she totally fell for, and she was into it. So she was in love immediately. She said that she just felt like it was this magnetic force drawing them together. And she said that she was completely mesmerized by him. Um, So Conrad asked her out on a date 
And they ended up going to one of her favorite restaurants. And at the on the date, Conrad fawned all over her, kept telling her how beautiful she was. And he, you know, was so into her. And they were having a great time. Um, but then suddenly dur- during that dinner, Conrad just all of a sudden got really shaky and started having trouble breathing. And um, she didn't know what was going on. So he just excused himself, um, got up and went and made a phone call. And then all of a sudden, these two guys from his company showed up and then they ushered him out of there and just left Louis sitting there like, what the heck just happened? And so she she had no idea what happened until a few days later, he called her to explain. Um, He told her that he fell ill and that he wasn't feeling good. um, But when she asked him more questions about it. He just didn't want to go into any detail, but he apologized to her and he asked her, you know, for another chance and asked her out again. Um, so she said yes. And over the next few weeks they continued to date. And, um, it was like, he was over the top romantic. He would send her flowers, take her to fancy dinners, all that stuff. And then, um, after three months, Um, He ended up taking her on this romantic vacation. And while they were at dinner one night, he ended up proposing to her. And while Louise was totally flattered, she was like, oh, no, this is like way too fast. You know, we've only known each other three months. Let's just slow it down. We have all the time in the world is what she said to him. And then that's when Conrad confessed to her that he actually didn't have all the time in the world. Um, He told her that he had a very serious heart condition and that if he didn't take care of it, he might likely be dead in just a few months. And Mm -hmm. so Louis, yeah, I know you and I are like, (laughs) right? Uh Uh (laughs) And so, uh, but Louise being like the sweet, you know, kind person she was, she was so upset. And um, he, but he told her that there was this experimental surgery and, California and uh-huh. that it was his only shot of survival um but and but that he like needed her to support him and he needed her support and um by, by marrying him and so Louise like said that she couldn't say no and she agreed to marry him because she wanted to spend like every minute that she could with him um you know if he only potentially had a few months to live so um they um they spent as much time as they could together and it's funny because like on the tv show on um who the bleep did i marry they were like and conrad was um so good to her when louise had surgery it was conrad that picked her up from the surgery it's like what? dude that's like <laughs> the bare minimum yeah, yeah, like yeah. ubers <laughs> do that <laughs> Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for the ride. I know. Um, But apparently, though, when he picked her up from the surgery, um, he had to move something over in the front seat of the car. And um, she she thought she saw a gun. And she was like, is that a gun? And he said, no, no, this is just part of an old Halloween costume or whatever. And she just, like, laughed it off. And um, and she sat in the car. He's got a lot of answers. He's he got a lot, of, a lot of convenient answers. I'm not he buying sure does, any of them. Conrad. So on 
New Year's Day that year, um, Conrad actually left for her surgery in California, the experimental surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, so she wanted to go with him, but he said that he needed to conserve his energy so that it was probably best that she didn't come. And so she stayed home while in Canada while he was in California, and she was really worried about him. But then four days later, he she got a call from one of his associates telling her that the surgery was a success and that he was doing really well and he was just resting. And so then a month later, he ended up returning home to Calgary and he was he told her that he was fully recovered. And she mentioned that she thought he looked super healthy for somebody that like just went through heart surgery. But, Uh you know, she was like, well, but he's recovered. So, yeah, Um, even though he was back home and he was recovered, he was always kind of too busy for her. He didn't have a lot of time for her. He was really busy at work. Um, He was acting strange. And then in February of 1999, he ended up calling her one night at 1.30 in the morning crying. He was sobbing and he told her that he was so, so sorry, but that he had put her in harm's way. He told her that he was part of an organized crime family Okay. Yeah. And that the family (laughs) had discovered his love for her and now Uh she was in danger. Oh, no. Um, And so he has to go into hiding. Yeah. So he told her, he told her that they were, that the mob was angry with him for falling in love with someone outside of the family. Uh huh. um, And that they were afraid that she knew all their secrets. Oh, no, Um, she knew too much. Yes. And then he told her that he ended up getting um, an envelope in the mail. And in the envelope was three bullets. And that one was for her and the other two were for her two daughters. Can you fucking imagine if somebody said that to you? No. I know. No, I mean, that's horrifying and it would be so scary. But also, you're like, what a shitbag. I know. I mean, we already hate this guy, obviously. We yeah. all know what this TV show is about. Yeah. Uh, so it's not like, who the bleep did I marry? <laughs> like, and it's somebody else. A prince. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> a really nice guy. Um, you thought he was nice, but he's actually extra nice. So good. <laughs> Um, he's a doctor. Um, so <laughs> Louise was obviously so upset, you know, I mean, who wouldn't be if somebody, uh, who, what mother wouldn't be if somebody said that to yes. them about their daughters? So, and then she felt terrible that she had gotten her daughters into the situation, but she didn't want to scare her daughters. So she just like put on a brave face and kind of like went through life acting like everything was normal. But in the meantime, internally, she is worried if like, What's going to happen to them? Um, But he painted a picture to her that he was like kind of her her only means for protection. So she had to kind of do whatever he told her to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she was terrified and always on guard. And then one day a neighbor told her that she had noticed somebody looking around her yard. So she called Conrad and, you know, in a panic and told him and he ended up sending his associates over to her house to look for bombs underneath her cars. Um, and then um, he started sending guys to follow her around for her protection. Like, where do you hire associates? Right. That's you what know? I was just wondering. I'm like, are you my associate? Like, where do you just. I'm going to start know. calling like, you my associate. associate. I'm gonna be like, this is my associate, Jen. And you can just like hire me to like follow people <laughs> around. I would yeah. do that. I would yeah. do that. I would do that for you too. Thanks. Um, so 
so he started sending these guys to follow her around for her protection. And um, he had, he told her he had to know where she was at all times, but you know, of course it's all for her protection, you know? So he basically was controlling her, but under the guise that he was protecting her. And then one day Louise got a call from one of his associates and they told her that Conrad had fallen ill again and was actually in California and on life support. So Louise was terrified, not only because she loved Conrad, but he was, but also he was keeping her and her daughters protected. And she thought like, if anything happened to him, you know, who would keep them safe, you know? So she just didn't know what to think. And a few days later, Louise um, was at a coffee shop and she ran into a friend and she ended up confiding in this friend and telling him about the situation that she was in with Conrad. And he promised that he would keep it a secret uh, but then just a few days later, she gets a phone. It's just like, you're all terrible at keeping secret. <laughs> and so then a few days later, she gets a phone call from a woman who was a friend of the friend that she had told. Uh-huh. And the friend was like, um, my daughter, Rebecca, is also engaged to a guy on life support in California who's also named Conrad. Uh huh. And Louise was like, "What? I mean, what are the chances? What are the chances? I know it's crazy." So then, um, so that day, Louise met up with this woman, Rebecca, to compare stories, and sure enough, they were both dating the same guy. So they ended up going to his work to go to his office, just with the intention of just getting information from his colleagues about like where he, they could find him in California. But when they showed up to the office, like there he was sitting right in his office working. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. So Rebecca like completely flipped out, cussed him out, and then stormed out. But Louise just kind of sat there in shock, like, and didn't know what to say. And then, of course, Conrad told her that he faked being on life support um, to try to confuse the mafia. And he told her that he was only dating the other woman, Rebecca, um, also in an effort to throw off the mafia yeah. um, and to yeah, that um, makes sense. Makes redirect total them sense. Yeah, from Louise <laughs> and her daughters. Uh-huh. And it's, uh, what it's, a selfless guy. Like, I know. What a, right? what a mensch. I know. So Conrad told Louise, though, that she would, um, while she was upset that, you know, he was seeing this other woman, he told her that he would end things with Rebecca. And um, Louise ended up staying with him for the next three years. Oh, Louise. I'm not judging because that's very confusing. And a person who is just like a normal, wonderful, nice lady. I know. You shouldn't have to suspect every single person. Like you should be yeah. able to think the best of someone. Yeah. Especially someone you like, think you're in love with. Even if <laughs> yeah. they're in the mafia. Even if they are <laughs> dating someone else, you should be able to think the best of them. Even if they look, they say they're 45, but they look like 70. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so in the meantime, her daughters were not happy. They did not like this guy at all. And they didn't understand like why their mom continued to date him. Um, but they didn't know that the reason that she was keeping him around was really just to keep the, them protected. And so her daughters ended up leaving and going to live with their dad. And while Louise was devastated by the fact that her daughters didn't want to live with her anymore, she knew that it was the safest thing for them. Then in the spring of 2003, Louise and Conrad decided to move to the Canadian countryside to try to like lay low and hide out from the mafia. 
And they ended up staying at this bed and breakfast for three months. And she said the whole time that they were there, Conrad would act erratically. Um, He was like always mean to her and would yell at her and was always on edge. And in the meantime, Louise's friends were totally worried about her. They were like, because she just disappeared with this guy that nobody liked. Yeah. And it sounds to me like they all talked enough to know that he was in the mafia. You know what I mean? Her friends ended up going to the police and told them that their friend disappeared with this mafia guy. Um, And then when they told him, you know, told the police his name was Conrad Cheney, there ended up being all kinds of warrants out for his arrest. So now the police were on the hunt for him. They used Louise to track him down. So they were actually able to track down their location from a check that Louise had written. Um, And then um, one day the police arrived at the bed and breakfast looking for them. They had a warrant for Conrad's arrest. The warrants were for breaking and entering, forgery, and fraud. Um, Because guess what? It turned out. That Conrad was not actually a successful businessman or in the mafia. What? He yes. wasn't. He lied. <laughs> well, where did he find those associates? I don't know. <laughs> maybe he had a podcast. <laughs> Thumbtack, maybe? <laughs> um, but his so apparently his business was about to go bankrupt. So he had opened a bunch of credit cards in both his daughter's names and his aunt's names. And they had filed charges against him. Like, how shitty is that to do that to your own family? Yeah. I know people do it all the time because we see it all the time on here, but it's just shitty. Um, so they had filed charges against him. And um, also the other charge for the breaking and entering, that was because he had actually never broken up with Rebecca. But Rebecca had ended things with him and it made him crazy and he started stalking her. Um, and he, cool. he actually one night broke into her home and he was arrested and that's why he has the break, had the breaking and entering charge. So Louise happily went back home to her family and friends and Conrad was arrested. And in July of 2003, he pled guilty to fraud, forgery and breaking and entering. And he um, served two years and one month in federal prison. Um, And then he was released from prison in April of 2004. So he's out there living his life. And um, Louise is doing really well. And she ended up writing a book about her experience. But I have tried Googling multiple times. (laughs) Multiple Googles. And I cannot find this book. Maybe it's just in Canada. Maybe it is just in Canada. (laughs) Yep. It's only written in Can- Canadian and <laughs> I can't it hasn't, read it. hasn't been translated yet. I, yeah. <laughs> but I'm glad she's doing well and her daughters yeah. are doing well and she's living a happy life. So good for you, Louise Gallagher. Seriously. Never I mean, trust that... a guy who tells you he's in the mafia. I don't <laughs> I just, know what to tell you. I mean, and if he does tell you he's in the mafia, that's enough to be like, okay, goodbye. <laughs> okay, goodbye. Yeah, well, that's a good story. Thanks. I like it. Twists and turns. Hey, Jen. Hey, Sally. Are you ready for a love story? I absolutely am ready for a love story. Okay. This is like an apple pie love story. Good. It's great. Okay. So this comes from – I got my information from people.com, an article by Michelle Bowden, um, from 8 News Now by Carolyn Bauer, and from – WMFY News 2 by Taya Glenn and Grace Holland. Okay, so 
Even though Brittany and Clint Butner grew up just 15 minutes apart in neighboring North Carolina towns, they met for the first time only six years ago. Um, it was just supposed to be like a lunch. They were having lunch with mutual friends. Both Brittany and Clint were in other relationships at the time. But Clint actually says that he felt love at first sight. He said that the first time he saw her, he was like, wow, she's really gorgeous. But Brittany, you know, she was in a relationship and she says kind of like jokingly, she's like, I had his attention before he had mine. Uh, but they were just, they became friends and they were friends for a few years. And then in 2020, they were both single and they were started hanging out and this like a spark kind of just like flew. So this time around, Brittany says now it was like her that saw Clint differently. She said that one day he showed up um, and he was like dressed up. She said he was dressed up nice in a cowboy hat and boots. And she said he caught my <laughs> attention, which I just is so cute. Uh -huh. Um so they started dating in 2020, they got engaged in 2021, and they had planned a fall wedding for September of 2022. But then the holidays brought another surprise. They learned that Brittany was pregnant and that Aww. she was, yeah, and that she was due with a baby in late August. And they were so excited. Clint says, we actually found out we were pregnant on Christmas Eve. We told our families on Christmas Day. So they weren't, this was like a happy surprise. Um, Brittany actually has a seven-year-old from a previous relationship, so they were were excited to add to their family. Brittany's pregnancy, though, was was rough. She had high blood pressure throughout the pregnancy and was diagnosed with preeclampsia. Oh. Um, so the doctors had to plan do a planned C-section. And so they planned the C-section for early August this year. So they she would have been having a C-section right around now. Um, but then on July 8th, she was 33 weeks along and her blood pressure skyrocketed. Like, to the point where like her vision was blurry, her head was aching. And that is like, you know, so dangerous for the baby. And so doctors were like, we have to deliver this baby now. Oh, wow. Yes. Her biggest concern was that, you know, the baby's breathing because she knew at 33 weeks, the lungs aren't fully developed. Um, and the doctors were like, we have to, we're going to deliver her. And so Clint says the whole thing was really intense, but Brittany says we stayed pretty calm for the most part. I think we were just more or less excited to meet her. Thankfully, they both made it through the birth and they had a baby named Phelan and mm. she weighed just four pounds when she was born. So she needed oxygen and a feeding tube. So she was in the NICU. Um, and then Brittany was still in the hospital because she still had those headaches, like her blood pressure was still high. So, so she was like a few floors down from the NICU. And so each day Clint would come and wheel Brittany down to the NICU so that all three could be together. And, and Phelan was doing well, you know, despite needing to be in the NICU. So on July 11th, just three days after giving birth, um, Brittany was visiting Phelan in the NICU and she started having chest pains and shortness of breath. Um, she said, chest pain hit me and I handed her to him. So she handed Phelan to Clint and Clint just looked at her and asked like, are you okay? And she was like, something is not right. Oh, no. Um, she, yeah, her focus was just trying to breathe. She said she couldn't do anything else. She said it was a really hopeless feeling. And Clint didn't know what to do. He leans down and kisses her on the head, and he hears Brittany, and she just keeps repeating, I'm dying. I'm <gasps> dying. You said this was easy breezy apple pie, you liar. 
she's going to be fine. Spoiler. <laughs> okay. So luckily, Addie Franklin, who is a post a nurse on the postpartum unit, was there. And she noticed Brittany like slumping over, clutching her chest. And so she sprang into action. She alerted doctors of the change in her condition. And um, she says, like, I truly believe it was a miracle that Brittany was at the hospital when this happened. She was supposed to go home. If she had gone home and had this happen, I don't think the outcome would have been as great as it was. Her life was likely saved by staying another night and having caught this as early as possible. So doctors like come get her and they're rolling her down to the cath lab. And they told her as they're rolling her down, like you are in critical condition. There's a possibility you might not make it. Oh my God. Yeah. So she said- That's a terrifying thing to tell someone. Right. Like, hey, you might die. Okay. (laughs) Like she said that like, right. Like she said, I think we started to comprehend what was going on when they brought me the defib- when they brought the defibrillator out and hooked on the chest pads to me. Um, so they rushed her into oh emergency surgery. She had had a heart attack at only 28 years old. Oh, my God. She was diagnosed. Um, it was called multivessel spontaneous coronary artery disease, which is like a rare condition that mostly happens to postpartum women because, of course, like it's like our bodies are so fucked. Um, mm-hmm. But it's like a tear forms in a blood vessel in the heart. It basically like slows or blocks blood flowing into the heart and causes like a heart attack or like heart rhythm problems, or it could have caused sudden death. So she was actually very lucky that they caught it and that she was in the hospital. So everyone said like, this is very rare. You are very young. People don't have heart attacks at this age. So Clint said, it was very tough. It was mind blowing. I thought being 29, you wouldn't go through something like this. It happened so quickly and fast. I just had tunnel vision. I was worried I could lose both of them. I was so worried I couldn't talk. So Brittany made it through the surgery and Clint was just so grateful that it it worked. She actually, he they knew though that she was going to have to have another surgery. And so kind of they're both like so shaken by this experience, but so grateful that both Faylin and now Brittany are doing well, that he decided that he could not wait until September to get married. So as she came out from surgery, as she's in recovery, she went to her, he went to her hospital bed and said, do you want to get married tomorrow? And she says, yes, I do. And so he ran to the courthouse to get a marriage license. So the next day, the hospital staff decorated Brittany's room. They made her a brocade and the NICU decorated Phelan's incubator and even put her in a special dress. Uh Brittany wore her hospital gown, but Clint was like, I want to make sure I put on my best outfit. He went home. He was like, I couldn't just show back up in normal clothes. I wanted to make her smile. So he picked out his cowboy hat and boots, which was the look that like had made her fall in love with him Um, and a button up shirt. And he got their rings. And so he went back to the hospital. They'd even like put together a cake and they brought Phelan up from the NICU to be the flower girl. And so on July 13th, two days after her first surgery, Brittany and Clint were married And Clint says, it was so special. I cherish every moment. I was excited and happy. And he says, I could never, I'll never forget seeing Phelan there. If it wasn't for the hospital staff coming together as one big team, none of this would have happened. So on July 25th, doctors released Phelan from the NICU and Brittany was able to go home. She's still going back for cardiology checkups, but she might have to do like heart rehab. Um, But she's doing really well. And they are planning to have another wedding ceremony that they had originally planned on September 17th. So Mm -hmm. 
She said this time around, she plans to wear her wedding dress instead of her hospital gown. But they said the hospital wedding will always remain a special memory. Um, and Clint says that the whole experience has give both, given both of them a new perspective that they will now cherish every day because no day is promised. Oh, So there you go. Apple pie. That is apple pie. That's a really great story. Aww. It's a really great story. They're so cute. And I just... I just love it. They were like, we can't wait. We need to get married today. I love that. I can't wait to yeah. see pictures. Oh, it's real cute. <laughs> got a little teeny baby. Got a guy mm. in a cowboy hat. What else do you want? Cowboy boots. Yep, cowboy boots. You got a new gorgeous mom who somehow after like going through surgery and delivering a baby still looks beautiful. So, yeah. you know, what else do you want, Jen? Nothing. I didn't think I'm so. I'm happy. <laughs> Good story. Good. Thanks, dude. All right, let's do something dumb and something we love. All righty. Um, I guess I'm going first. Something dumb. COVID. Duh. Duh. Uh, but I'll take no more COVID, please. Not again. <laughs> no, I think I've had I've had enough COVID. Yeah, I for, think you have. I think you've done for You're a lifetime. Thank you. Um, but <laughs> um, I, uh, for something I love, I just wanted to say it's great timing because we're recording the night before this episode is going to come out. Um, so tomorrow, I, I'm just so excited about like I don't know what it is. I don't. It's like just the universe and all. It's like I feel like all of my friends' dreams are coming true, and it is just so amazing to watch everyone yeah. around me is like all their big glow ups and all these like amazing things happening for you know um all of our friends in comedy i just love it um so tomorrow night um i believe tomorrow night lace larrabee will be back on um I think uh, agt next oh next week okay sorry yeah. Well, so anyway, she'll be back on AGT, and we're very excited. She's our, yes. she was on it in the first round. She's going back to do the, the semifinals. Next round. Yes. Yeah. And then on Wednesday, our friend Catherine Blanford will be on um, Jimmy Fallon, uh, which is oh yeah. Have you huge. heard of him? The Tonight Show. Have you, you know the Tonight. It was so funny as I was telling my kids um, that Catherine was going to be on because they were so excited to watch Lace on TV because you know they're friends yeah. of ours. They know them. yeah. And so I was like. Um, so they watched Lace on TV and they were so excited. And I was like, hey, guess what? Catherine is going to be on TV on Wednesday. And um, and I told them on The Tonight Show on Jimmy Fallon. And then I just walked – right before we started recording, I walked out into the living room. My daughter's sitting there with a pint of Ben and Jerry's. And I was like, hey. Because, like, I didn't tell her she could have it. She just, like, went and got it. And then she looked down at it and she goes, is this the show Catherine's going to be on? And it was like the – the Ben and Jerry's flavor is uh, Jimmy Fallon flavor or whatever. And it's like the Tonight Show something yeah. something. I don't know uh, what flavor it is, but she picked it out. But um, but it was just so funny. I was like, yeah, that's the show Catherine's going to be on. <laughs> the ice cream you're eating. Yeah. So it's just so surreal, but I'm so excited to watch it. And I'm so excited to watch Lace. And I'm just so thrilled for everybody that's that's killing it right now. Yeah, me too. Okay, so my something dumb is not really that dumb, but uh, I, you know, I'm just, I'm so bad at like 
going to a doctor. I'm so bad at going to a dentist. I just put it off and put it off and put it off. And then when I do it, it's so great. But I have decided that this month I'm getting shit done. I went today, I went and saw like an orthopedic surgeon about my neck and my shoulder, uh, which I have been like putting off for a year. I went and got my teeth done. Nice. Which I've been putting off for forever. It just like, I was like, I am I'm getting, I'm going to therapy this week. It's a whole thing. Like, I'm just like, we are. <laughs> getting on point. Um, So it's dumb that I put those things off because every time I do it, I'm like, I feel so good. Like it feels so good to like accomplish those things and just to not have that like nagging something's wrong. What, what, you know, the ignoring something never, it's never good. It turns out it's never good to just ignore something that you need to do. Just do it. Um, so that's dumb, but the thing that I love is that I went on another vacation. Yeah, um, you sure did. Sally. I sure did. And it was, <laughs> it was love. I love Maine, but mostly I love, it was just so lovely to see Ben's family. They're so great. Um, my sister-in-law, Melissa, I just wish she listens. Hi, Melissa. Um, I wish she lived closer. It just, every time I see her, it's like, have, we're like instantly like, two like peas in a pod, you know? And I'm like, I wish, I wish we lived closer. Um, And Ben's mom listens to you. Hi. And, uh, and I just, I just love his family. So it was so nice to spend time with them. Um, And also I just wanted to say, so I have some dates coming up and I think I should tell people about them. Oh yeah. If that's okay. I have a bunch of road dates. So this Friday, August 5th, I'm going to be in Asheville, North Carolina at the headlining the getaway river bar. Um, Oh Yeah. Then August 12th through 14th, I'm going to be at Helium in St. Louis. August 26th and 27th, I'll be at Brouhaha in Cincinnati. And then, and there's some Atlanta dates in there too, but I can't remember those. So um, if you ever want to see my Atlanta dates, I think I put them on my website. Otherwise, I always post them on Instagram. But, um, and then September 16th and 17th, I'll be at Helium in Indianapolis. And then... September 29th through 1st, October 1st, I'll be at Comedy Key West in Key West, Florida. You son of a bitch. Yes. I'm super excited about all those. So (laughs) come see me somewhere on the road. That would be – Yeah. That'd be real cool, man. So cool. Do it. Yeah. Do it. All right, guys. Well, that's our whole episode. So proud Um, of us. I know. I'm really proud of us, too. We really got it in right under the wire. We did. Like, you had COVID. (laughs) I didn't think it was going to happen. I was on vacation again. But we did it because we love you guys. Um, Please get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Um, Let us know how you are liking the show with, like, just a slightly new focus, even though it was kind of what we were doing anyway. Um, But, yeah, let us know how you feel about it. Uh, You can find us on all the socials, which we're going to be so much more. We're about to be – we're about to – be you real involved. Guys, we're gonna do it. <laughs> we're about to totally do we're it, you guys. We're about to tick tock. We're about to tick it tock it up. We're gonna do it. Um, so you can find us on all the socials at Dumb Love Podcast. You can find you could email us at dumblovepod at gmail.com. You could rate and review us. You could tell a friend. That would be so nice. Um, yeah, that's all the things. We'd love to we'd love to hear from you. Yes, do all of those things. And most importantly, don't forget to get out there and do something dumb. For love. Dum da dum 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 da dum da dum da dum.